0: Be the Lord, Lord God, God Almighty As and is to come Blessed be the Lord, Lord God Almighty, Almighty, Almighty Who reigns forevermore Blessed be the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who reigns forevermore. Father in heaven, how we love you. We lift your name in all the earth. May your kingdom be established in our praises. As your people declare your mighty works, blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who reigns forevermore blessed be the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come blessed be the lord god almighty who reigns forevermore father in heaven how we love you we lift your name in all the earth may your kingdom be established in our praises as you people declare your mighty works blessed be the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who reigns forevermore. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who reigns forevermore, who reigns forevermore.
1: Let the, love of brethren, let the love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitalities to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them, and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves also are in the body. Marriage is to be held in high honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid, what will man do to me? As we partake of the supper this morning, we get a reminder that God is enthroned above creation, that he is in control of all things, and that he has not forsaken his people. No matter what this world may put before us, God still rules and reigns. And as we celebrate this morning and take the supper, be reminded that this is a reminder that Christ's work is not undone regardless of what may happen in this world. Now, we have this set up a little bit differently, trying to get everything as simple and safely as possible, but I didn't account for one thing. You guys all sat on the same side of the room. <laughs> they're, mig- they're migrating. It's like like the great herds. <laughs> so what I would ask you to do is go by row, partake of both the bread and the juice. Just do me a favor, when you grab a wafer, just take a step back, eat it, wait till you're done chewing, and then step forward, grab a cup, take a step back, drink, and then you can put it back on the table and return to your seat. Just go row by row, and that way we'll be simple and safe and respect everybody's distance. Does that make sense? So you guys are on this side, so you have a table. You guys, there's less of you, but you're on this side if we run out over here then you can migrate over make sense so let's pray real quick again lord we thank you that your work is good and that it perseveres and that you preserve us and uphold us lord we we forget as we live in this world that you have not forsaken us as we partake of this reminder this morning strengthen our faith strengthen our walk that no matter what may happen in this world you have still called us to a life lived in service to you Never let us forget that, and never let us put it aside. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. let's pray lord we thank you for the reminders that you give let us take them to heart let us work by your spirit to be loving people of both you and the world that you have made there is so much that can draw our hearts away from that that can make us bitter and afraid and lord we ask that you would strengthen us to take that away that we would live for your kingdom without fear without worry knowing that you uphold us and you will bring us safely home in christ's name we pray amen
0: All hail King Jesus All hail Emmanuel King of kings Lord of lords Bright morning star Throughout all I'm going to praise him, and forevermore I will reign with them. Lord of lords, bright morning star. Throughout all eternity, I'm going to praise him. And forevermore, I will reign with them oh.
1: This morning, um, two updates. One was a phone call this morning. We uh, Remember Carrie, uh, Carrie and James. Remember Carrie's niece? She was going to the hospital with something, Cameron, what was it again? Some blood disorder. So if you'd remember Carrie's niece, I appreciate it. Also remember Mark Leach. He is headed to the hospital right now with something with his back. He went to work last night, was fine, came home, was all right. But now they're running him to the hospital with his back. So there's there is no telling. So if you remember, Mark updates as we get them. If you'll continue to be in prayer for 80 and Vi and the family, they are just kind of continuing as they have been. So when things change, then we'll go with them from there. And you guys should give yourselves a celebratory clap. (laughs) Do you know why? I didn't say it last Sunday. Because I wanted to make sure we survived the Sunday, because there's always a chance. But last Sunday, man, you have survived three years with me. Uh-huh. Three. And you are the crazier for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you're you're still upright. You're still mostly lucid. That's surviving. <laughs> I said mostly. <laughs> this now. Yeah, yes, we dealt with Jonathan for three years, right? I I Sometimes days it feels like that, doesn't it? I just realized I put all the information I'm going to need away. That doesn't do me any good. Okay. Um, am I forgetting something else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next Sunday is council. And that's right, this morning, see, I, I, um, benevolent fund. We will still take up benevolent fund, but there won't be people at the back. So if you look at that, on the clock, underneath the clock is where we leave the offering plate there um standing up behind that is an envelope with a b on it that's for benevolent if you would like to contribute to our our benevolent fund thank you in advance put anything you would like to contribute towards that in that envelope that way we cannot miss it (laughs) because otherwise it has a tendency we can miss it or you just mark it wrong or you mark it right and we still just didn't see it so if you just use the big envelope mark with the giant b then no one would miss it and again that goes towards various things if people need money for food or shelter we You know, you got hotel rooms, help people with rent and utilities, all sorts of stuff. That's our kind of a running account for that. And yes, council will be next Sunday, which means business meeting after that, and then you guys know how that all works. We'll get you to Costco in time. It'll be all right. All right, last week's uh, great trivia answers are on there. I say trivia. It's not really trivia. It's it's a survey. So this week's fun. Fun, 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 fun. Because they've all not been depressing enough, apparently. So... All right, true or false, the Holy Spirit can tell me to do something which is forbidden in the Bible. (laughs) It's not that the answer was there, it was the tone. No! (laughs) Like, what is wrong with you people? (laughs) Of course not. Okay, this is some good news. Of the people that would identify themselves as evangelical Protestant and go to church self-claimed once a week, 13% of them thought that statement was true. It is sad, but that could be a lot worse. 82% of them thought that statement was false. That's actually fairly encouraging to me because most people have a very low, what we call pneumatology, which is a doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Most people do not understand how he works, what he does, and how this all functions. So I thought that was actually encouraging. Now, if you remove all the controls and you go to every self-identified Christian denomination, regardless of church attendance, 20% of the people thought that statement was true. I don't know how you come up with that. And only 60% thought that statement was false, which means 20% of the people were like, I don't know, which might just be the worst possible outcome there. So, but you would be correct. That is false. All right, everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. (laughs) Not only did I get the the look, but I got a laugh. <laughs> this is getting worse by the minute, right? Like you're sitting here going, people get these wrong? Of the people that go to church every week and would agree with us, forty-four percent of them thought that statement was true. Forty four percent thought that statement was true. Only fifty one percent thought it was false. So when we talk about what goes on week in and week out in churches, <sighs> that's the thing you worry about now if you remove all the controls regardless of attendance regardless of denominational affiliation 65 percent of the people thought that statement was true that you can everybody sins a little but people are basically good this is why again i love the ray comfort videos out in the santa monica pier because his first question is would you consider yourself to be a good person and the reason he asks that is you know what everybody and their uncle says yes because even if i don't think i'm a good person i'm going to tell you that i think i'm a good person <laughs> Every single time. So yeah, 65% thought it was true. Only 28% thought that was false. When we talk about, so when you wonder why do I do what I do week in and week out and deal with the stuff like we do, it's because the goal of what we're building is not just a simple theology of how to get to heaven. We're trying to build a global Christian worldview, a biblical worldview. The reason why this matters is because we want to be able to apply biblical truth to all of christian life all of life when you're at work when you're at home when you're driving in the car when you're at the doctor's office how do we evaluate these things biblically that's the goal all right last one even the smallest sin deserves eternal damnation (laughs) jonathan's like yes this is my question yes there's more smiting Yeah. (laughs) it's funny because it's true you know he's reacting like that Of those people that go to church every week would agree with us, 52% thought that statement was true. 44% thought that statement was false. They didn't know. Yeah, see? Look at this live math. I I don't include the don't knows because it's not worth doing the math. Now, here's the real fun part. Remove all the controls, regardless of church attendance, regardless of denominational affiliation, 25% of the people thought that statement was true. 66 percent, I wonder if it was 66.6 (laughs) percent, see see what I did there? 66 percent of the people thought that statement was false. So here's here's what you just learned today from this section of the survey. The majority of professed believing Christians sort of have an idea of what the Holy Spirit does, and they have no idea how sin works, what its consequences are, and how how much it affects your daily life, day in and day out. Have no earthly idea. So when we talk to people, when we are trying to disciple, when we are trying to encourage people, the people that are on that are on our side have no idea what sin is, what its consequences are, and how much it affects them. We had a phrase on this when when uh, we when we were doing evangelism classes when I was a seminary student. And it was in order to get people saved, most of the time we have to first get them lost. <laughs> And this is what we're talking about, is the majority of people just don't understand their need for God's grace and mercy because they think they're pretty much okay. Now, believe it or not, there's an actual denomination that tries to – well, I can't say denomination. There's a group that would claim itself to be Christian that actually teaches that. <laughs> no, and I don't have my water cup on me, so you got a lot. Um, the, the Mormon church would tell you, it's actually in their writings, that you, you do your best and Jesus does the rest see, when you put it that way, it sounds vulgar, doesn't it? It sounds hateful when you put it that way, but that's literally what these answers are saying, is I'm pretty good, and sin doesn't really deserve that much judgment. That's what they're saying, is I do my best, and then Jesus kind of sprinkles a little grace on it like we're seasoning something, and then we call it a day, and I'm happy. This is the breakdown of Christian theology and worldview. Um, is either Barna or Lifeway, doesn't matter, they both do the same work. Um, millennial Christians, how many of them, yeah, so these are your people, you ready? Millennial Christians that claim to follow scripture, they have a biblical worldview. Guess what the percentage was? It wasn't zero, it was a little higher than zero. It wasn't 13%. It was 2%. (laughs) Go team. It was 2% of millennial Christians who attend church regularly profess to actually have a biblical worldview. (laughs) <laughs> whoa no no we're not going there i am not repeating that <laughs> not because you said anything wrong I'm, I'm just not gonna encourage that you understand yeah so this is this is what you're going against as we go down the generations now keep in mind they, they they're counting millennials as people almost my age i'm gonna be 40 next year do you think it gets better as we get younger no so as we're going down The de-Christianization of America, answers like this are important because it lets us know what we're up against and what actually people who claim to know this actually know, believe, and live. (sighs) There are not a whole lot of people on our side here, which is why it's important to remember who is on your side day in and day out. Why the reminder this morning is what it is, is that God is on his throne. He has not left us. He has not forsaken us. He has not forgotten us. And he will bring about his kingdom when the timing is right. Our call is, in the meantime, to walk in faithfulness, regardless of what happens between now and then, knowing that whatever he sends our way is for the building up of his people, the strengthening of his kingdom. The short way to say that, for our good and for his glory. And in the meantime, we just keep going forward. So. (laughs) Where did that even come from? Was, was Was that your phone? Oh, that's okay. That was almost perfect timing and appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. So, all right. If I'm not forgetting anything else, there's your depressing news for the day. We are through 12 questions, which means there is only 23 more to go. So we're, I'm, I'm having fun going through this. Cameron and I have gone through all of them. If you want to go through all of them, Lifeway, I think, has the results. But go to Ligonier Ministries. You can click on their website, and you can add groups, takeaway groups. So you can see what just Roman Catholics believe, what just Presbyterians believe, if you want to play with it and go from there. It's 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 sort of uplifting for some groups, and then there's some groups that you look at and go, I can't believe this is so bad. So mm-hmm. if you'd like to be depressed or encouraged, then, you know, depending on how you look at it, you can check that out. But in the meantime, we'll just keep going through this because I think this is beneficial for us. One, to see how we're doing. So far, you guys are doing great. I wish you had taken the survey and not these people. <laughs> but at the same time, I think it's instructive to see what this world actually thinks about and what they really believe. So there you go. With that, all that said, I'm going to stop talking so we can continue to sing.
0: he walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. Ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. In all the world around me I see his love and care. And though my heart grows weary I never will despair i know that he is leading through all the stormy blast the day of his appearing will come at last he lives he lives christ jesus lives today he walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to empower You ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus is his love. And ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. You ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. Love our Lord, but they don't realize until too late. Say now people are often lonely, but they don't realize until too late oh why my lord do they want even more they've got that the earthly cannot afford, but still they come to the altar to ask for more. to
1: Okay, we are going to have a two-for-one special this morning, because we are taking one Sunday to cover two plagues, simply because they're they're similar enough in nature. Does anybody really want to spend two weeks on bugs? See, neither did I. Though, they're similar enough, so we will have fun, we will look at the creepy crawlies of the plagues, and I don't have anything else really fun or entertaining or interesting to say about that, so you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop talking about it and read Exodus 8:16 through 32. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth, that it may become gnats throughout through all the land of Egypt. They did so, and Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats through all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried with their secret arts to bring forth gnats, but they could not, so there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Now the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning, and present yourself before Pharaoh, as he comes out to the water, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you do not let my people go, behold... I will send swarms of flies on you and on your servants and on your people and into your houses, and the houses of the Egyptians will be full of swarms of flies and also the ground on which they dwell. But on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people are living so that no swarms of flies will be there in order that you may know that I, the Lord, am in the midst of the land. I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign will occur. Then the Lord did so, and there came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and the houses of his servants, and the land was laid waste because of the swarms of flies in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God within the land. But Moses said, It is not right to do so, for we will sacrifice to the Lord our God what is an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice what is an abomination to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We must go a three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commands us. Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far away. Make supplication for me. Then Moses said, Behold, I am going out from you and I shall make supplication to the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. Only do not let Pharaoh deal deceitfully again in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and made supplication to the Lord. The Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained, but Pharaoh hardened his heart, this time also, and he did not let the people go. See, two-for-one special on bugs. Aisle 7, they're on discount apparently. Nothing else, there are enough of them running around, so... Much to do, less time to do it in, so let's dive right back in. The Lord said to Moses, verse 16, Say to Aaron, stretch out your staff, and strike the dust of the earth. All right, time out. Why the dust of the earth? Does, does God need to turn the dust into gnats? No, so why do it this way? couple of reasons. One, we're hearkening back. What would you learn from your from your historical study if you read the book of Genesis? Genesis chapter 2. The Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living thing. Later on in chapter 3, you would see the curse on Adam. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground because from it you were taken. For you are dust and to dust you shall return. Who is the one who made the ground? God. Who is the one that brought forth man from the ground? God. Who is the one who will return him to the ground? God. Not Gab. And you go, huh, what, what, what's a gap? If you read far enough back, it could be a Seb. This is an Egyptian god of, guess what? The earth, the ground itself. They have a god for everything. If they don't have a god for it, they have a goddess for it. See how this works? It's beautiful. So remember, systematic working through Egypt, their beliefs, who they think is in charge as, to po- as opposed to who actually is in charge. So no, God does not have to use the dust to make the gnats. He's choosing to do so as a hearkening back to his people about where they came from, and as a warning to the Egyptians on what they are, th- who they think is in charge when he really is not. So, strike the st- stretch out your staff, strike the g- dust of the earth, and it may become gnats through all the land of Egypt. All right, this isn't like you know, middle of summer and you look over and there's these little swarms of bugs that just annoy you more than anything. Not those things. We're talking about what we would call today noceums. <laughs> If you've ever been camping on a good day and you come back into the tent and someone has left it unzipped and you look in, now this looks good. And then you lay down and what happens? Suddenly, why am I itching? And there's not just these little bumps, but like chunks of you are missing. This is what a no does. You don't even see them and all of a sudden you've got holes in your leg. And your arm, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go Google no seams when you go home. This is the bug we're talking about. Some of you are like, I have got to see this. I mean, it, 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 seriously, it looks like you've been accosted by something and you don't see where they are. They're tiny little things and they're aggravating. This is what they have been given and they will do a number on your skin, legs, arms, anything that is exposed. Now, why do this to the Egyptians? If you are an Egyptian priest, and you wish to enter into one of the temples or whatever sacrifice you're trying to do that day, do you know what you do first? You ritually shave and wash yourself before you perform any of your duties. Now, when we say shave, I mean, like, like, oh. Like, so imagine you've got these pot-marked bites on you, And now you got to run a razor and this isn't 2020 where we've got the safety 75 blade razor that you know barely cuts anything this is old school straight blade (laughs) guess what you're doing now let's just say you were crazy enough to complete the shaving process what are you doing you're bleeding are you pure for your sacrifice no god has just taken the priest and said oh yeah you think you're so special with your purity. Let me show you how quickly your purity can be taken away from you. Fun, huh? Not really. But this is what's going on. God, again, is not just demonstrating power. He is demonstrating an authority, not just his authority, but the lack of authority from everything the Egyptians would have placed their trust in. Something as simple as shaving and bathing just became basically impossible. Basically impossible. So, make sure I hit the mute button before I cough into the microphone. I'm sure you would all appreciate that. So, verse 17. They did so. This is where it's going to get interesting for us. And Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth. And there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats through all the land of Egypt. So, fun question time. What has been left out here? Or where has been left out here? See, that's, do do you know that? (laughs) Not here. That's coming later. We'll get there. Your first thought, because you know the story, would be, well, Goshen has been excluded. Has Goshen been excluded, though? And I warned you about this when we talked about Moses' birth and when we talked about Moses arguing with God is we have to be very careful in Exodus. We do not wish to be dogmatic about things that Exodus is not dogmatic about. Likewise, we do not wish to not be dogmatic about things that Exodus is dogmatic about. So when we talked about the end of chapter 4, Moses traveling to Egypt and God was coming to kill him and we don't know who him is. We have ideas about who him is, but I'm not going to, you know, cast anybody out of the church and call you a heretic if you disagree with me on who him is. Because Exodus doesn't really tell us. I have a theory. I have an idea. We explain that. You can go find it on YouTube, and it'll be fun for you if you want to go back through it. I think Goshen has been included. Just like I think Goshen was included in the Nile turning to blood and all the waters being turned to blood because it has not been excluded. And this goes back to our purpose here in this book. Why is God doing this? Yes, He is delivering his people out of Egypt. But what else must he also do? He must deliver Egypt out of his people. See, this is one of the things we forget. God is not just saving people and be like, all right, do what you want. No, read Romans 6, it'll do you good. It'll contradict all of that. But rather he is working, he is purifying, he is strengthening this people the people that he is calling. So whereas the priests cannot purify themselves now, God can, through removing a desire and a trust in the things of this world, purify his people. You see this in Isaiah 45. Uh, Isaiah tells the people, God speaking, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Do you think he means it? He keeps repeating it over and over and over again. The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. We don't like that last part, do we? Creating calamity? We've talked about this the last couple of weeks. When a hurricane hits, who sent it? God did. Now, did he cause it, or did he allow it? I don't know. I don't know did he have the power to stop it? Yes. Which means if he did not stop it, there was a good in his sending it or allowing it. I don't know what that is. You know why I don't know where that is? I'm not in the hurricane. If I were in the hurricane, you know what it would be incumbent upon me to do? Figure out why God has sent me through this. Yes. Pray, trust, walk, figure out why are you sending me through this? This is daily living. This is a reminder of, How do I confront the day in and day out things, good, bad, and otherwise, in light of who God is, who I is, and where we are both going at the end of this? This is vital in the world. And this includes even enduring in chaos and trials. You see this not just in the New Testament, you see this in the Old Testament, Psalm 44. If we had forgotten the name of our God or extended our hands to a strange God, would not God find this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. But for your sake, we are killed all the day long, and we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, let's have some fun. Trivia. Bonus question, so if you got a perfect score earlier, you get bonus time now. Which New Testament writer quotes from that psalm in his letter? See, if nothing else, take a guess. Paul you are correct you win no prize because i don't have any prizes now double bonus points what in what book does he quote it think about it for your sake we are killed all day long we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered help you out romans guess which chapter of romans romans chapter 8 who thinks they know the next verse But in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Paul quotes from Psalm 44 talking about how God's people are being slaughtered and then immediately says, and in this, we overcome. We don't just overcome, we rule, we conquer, we are undefeated. Where does Israel learn this lesson? The plagues of the Exodus. Exodus seeing the work and the power of God, seeing the pre- the pres- that preserving and persevering work of God. See, you try to put those two words in a sentence together and see how tongue-tied you get, preserving and persevering. Your brain will be like, you did it. And that's what happens to mine every week. By seeing it, understanding that they can walk and that he will deliver them in spite of the difficulty they're facing, I think is why Goshen has not been pointed out as being set apart which is also why it's going to be, because we have to demonstrate that God is making a distinction between those who are his people and those who are not his people. Remember our great rules. There are only two types of people in this world. You want me to say it? Remember? Those who like Neil Diamond and those who don't. We will not conduct the test to find out which one you are, just (laughs) because... And you know know what the test is, I just won't do it. But in, in all seriousness... You're either in or you're out. If you don't know what the test is, remind me at the end of the service, I will tell you the Neil Diamond test, it'll be worth it. So, God is going to prove that distinction. Verse 18, the magicians tried with their secret arts to bring forth gnats. All right, why? (laughs) Why? I keep asking this question, like, Aaron stretches out the staff and the waters of Egypt are turned to blood. and and there's no water to drink because all the water is blood, and the magicians go, oh, yeah? Dig a well. See, there's water in the well. Watch this. Blood. See, now that water's blood, too. How do you like them apples? Are you dumb or stupid, man? I mean, come on. All right, fine. The, The whole land is full of frogs. Oh, yeah? Release the bag. Frogs. Look, now there's even more frogs. Like, your priests are walking around scraping off bug bites. People are like, Think about this. You ever, you ever done that stupidity in the woods? Like a mosquito's getting you and you're, you're getting the mosquito smacking yourself upside the head? Imagine you're, you're just walking down the street. Cows are mooing, camels are kicking things and you're smacking yourself trying to bathe in calamine lotion when you get home. And the magician's idea is, all right guys, let's prove that this is a stupid miracle because we'll duplicate it. This is what we need. We need more bugs that are eating us alive. So is this helping? No, but is this proving something? Yes. Isaiah 45, God speaking again, I have sworn by myself the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and will not turn back, that to me every knee will bow and every tongue will swear allegiance. Paul quotes that one too. That's Philippians 2, by the way. Now, swear what? Allegiance to God. So they could not do so, so there were gnats on man and beast, Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God, (laughs) like, oops, our bad. See, God warned him it was coming, and what came about? Psalm 2. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence. Rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son that he not become angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. The New Testament also applies that to Jesus because it's talking about Jesus. The kings of the earth have taken their stand against God and God laughs at them. Why? Because he's already got a king and he will instill upon the throne. So what's the warning to the king? You think you're in charge. I got bad news for you. Christ is in charge, which means what should you do? Fall in line before something bad happens to you, which means if you're Pharaoh and you've had your magicians lie to you and try to duplicate these things and now they can't and they're even looking at you going, we got nothing. Absolutely, positively, nothing. We don't know what we're going to do or how we're going to fix this one, but this is this is some deity at work here that we do not understand. Got it. There we go. See, I say that for stupidity, but this is, li- I mean, can you imagine? This is what's going on in Egypt. If you're Pharaoh, what should you be doing right now? A good king would do what? Let's figure out how we made this God angry and do what? let's not make him angry anymore what does he want and we know what he wants see this is what proverbs tells you proverbs 25 we read this last week it is the glory of god to conceal a matter but the glory of kings is to search out a matter It's not just a king if you're in charge of people meaning like if you're an adult and you actually have people that you can disciple you know what your goal is in life to search out who god is what he's doing why he's doing it, and how we walk in light of that, because then I can instruct you in what I have learned. This is what the point of wisdom is, especially if you're, say, oh, I don't know, king of the largest, most powerful nation on earth. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. (laughs) Is, Is this a good king? Is this even a wise man? Is this a nitwit? Proverbs 28, Like a roaring lion and a rushing bear is a wicked ruler over a poor people. Proverbs 28 again, Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all things. Now, I pointed this out last week. I want to point it, out, point it out again this week. Because I think it's important. Understanding who we want to root for is part of the story of Exodus. See, again, before Moses ever stepped foot back in Egypt, what did God say was going to happen? You're going to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Pharaoh's going to say no. I'm going to perform my miracles before him. He's still going to say no, and I'm going to have to kill some people. And he, that, that, that's paraphrase. You can go back and read chapters 3 and 4. It'll do you good. We've known that this was coming. Why go through that process, though? Did God have to go through this process? No. This is the plan that he has laid out. This is the path that God has chosen for what reason? Mention part of this is to explain why you want Pharaoh to lose. Sometimes you have to be told who the good guy and the bad guy in the movie is. Especially if you're my wife, who comes in on every movie 45 minutes in and starts asking me 1700 questions I'm like, "No. If you want to know, you have to watch it from the beginning." Or the worst is my daughter does this now. I start the movie. We haven't gotten through the opening credits. What's going on yet? You have the same information that I have. I don't know. Women, why do you do that? <laughs> Next time you have your meeting, figure that out. <laughs> I always tell my wife that. Next time you go to the woman's meeting, tell them this. <laughs> Never seems to work. So You kind of have that here in Exodus. If you've not read Genesis, if you've not read anything else, and you just come into Exodus blind, you're like, who is this Yahweh dude? What makes Pharaoh such a bad guy? Exodus is telling you, and Exodus is also demonstrating just how wicked Pharaoh's heart really is because it's a demonstration of what. Remember our remember our stories of Exodus. We've got to get back in my right spot. We've got two timelines, right? We've got our timeline of actual earthly events. There's a Pharaoh and there's a Moses and there's an Aaron and there's a No. There's actual people doing actual things in actual places in actual time. That's happening. But we also have God working from Genesis to Revelation from beginning to end, accomplishing things through these works that are beyond just these events. So we talked about why does god listen to moses praying and do it because moses is a picture he's a picture of the messiah of the prophet who is to come just like why is david the king who's compared to because he is the king that god has chosen the one that god has promised why because he's a picture of the king who is to come we get these little pictures of the work that god is doing throughout time in an arching manner you have that here in exodus yes God is working to deliver his people, Israel, out of the land and turn them, put them into a land that he has promised to give them. But at the same time, we also have a picture of God, big picture, as the deliverer, overcoming the impossible enemy, delivering not just his people, but his people, and putting them in a kingdom that he will rule, that he will reign, that will be good and secure, where there will not be the hardships of sin and the problems that it produces. So, Pharaoh basically gets to play his role as the nitwit king on behalf of this people in time, but also in big picture, how big is sin? How stubborn is it? How easily is it overcome? And the answer is that it's not. That God can do all of these things, and Pharaoh can just sit there and go, no, like a four-year-old having a fit. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. That's what Pharaoh gets to do. And God, in spite of that, will work will overcome will conquer and will rescue his people. This is a this is a this is a redemption tale not just for Israel then but for all of God's people. Make that point as we go along. The other reason why this is going to matter is when we actually leave Egypt. And it's coming, I promise. It'll be a few weeks, but we're going to get there. When we actually leave Egypt, Remember these lessons because it helps explain some of the laws that God gives the people as they leave, and some of the it helps explain some of the regulations that he provides for them and why they do what they do. So remember these things as we get there. So sometimes we just got to tell you the story now so we can finish it later. Verse 20. Now the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning, present yourself before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. All right, round two of the bugs which is really plague number four. Remember that, there'll be a quiz on this later. And I will fail it too, because if you ask me, oh yeah, what's the seventh plague? I don't know, darkness, hail, it's one of those. Commandments I mostly have, plagues I have no idea. So if you ever want to stump me in trivia, there you go. Why are we going to get Pharaoh? I mean, Can't we just wait for him to show up for work that day and bug him at his office? I mean, we could, but we're not going to. Why not? Making a point again, Job chapter six. Oh, that my grief were actually weighed and laid in the balances together with my calamity. For then it would be heavier than the sand of the seas. Therefore my words have become rash. For the arrows of the Almighty are within me. Their poison my spirit drinks. The terrors of God are arrayed against me. Job was doing a really good job of whining. And unfortunately, well, fortunately for Job, that wasn't true. It wasn't true of Job. But you know who it is true of? Pharaoh. We're going to go get him because winter. I mean, think about this. Just imagine you woke up, you had your coffee, you know, you puttered around your kitchen. It's a good morning, sun is rising, everybody's left you alone, everything's quiet. Finish your mug, you put it down, you go upstairs, you go to hop in the shower and Moses and Aaron show up. <laughs> That's literally what's just happened to Pharaoh. What's your first thought? do you people give me a moment's peace? And the answer is what? No! Why not? The arrows of the Almighty are within me. God wants Pharaoh to feel this. Why? Because he's in rebellion against God. He refuses to listen. He refuses to let the people go. He refuses to see the mighty works of God on display and acknowledge them as coming from the only creator. Therefore... I mean, how many of you, when your children didn't listen to you, just kept going, stop doing that? Stop doing that. Don't do that. Yeah, but but you kept that nice, even tone, right? You never, you just, uh, you have a, don't do that. At some point, you did what? Stop it! And then they stop and look at you and like, well, what'd you have to be like that for? <laughs> These little people are driving me crazy. Welcome to what you're seeing with God. We're going to go get you. You think you're going to have peace doing your ritual bathe in the Nile? <laughs> no, not even a little bit. Go back to Job again, chapter 7. I, th- I say my bed will comfort me. My couch will ease my complaint. Then you frighten me with dreams and terrify me with visions. Yes, that's what we're doing. See, remember Pharaoh went back into his house with no concern for any of this? God's not going to allow that to stand. By the time we get done with this, the goal of this is you're going to have Pharaoh sitting there going, why did I say no again? I mean, There was blood, and there were gnats and frogs, and it was dark for a couple of days. Like, seriously, am I dumb or just stupid? Let my people go. No! Why did I say no? I mean, that's where you want to get Pharaoh to, because now, this is the weight and the power of God, and this is what we're doing here to Pharaoh. Why? Because he's supposed to be called to a higher standard. He's supposed to do better. He's not. He's supposed to, but he's just not. Now, verse 21, if you do not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and on your servants and on your people and into your house, and the houses of the Egyptians will be full of swarms of flies and also the ground in which they dwell. All right, flies. Flies? Um, The Egyptian god Kepri had the face of a beetle. I don't know why. I don't even know how that works. Like, how do you have a human body and then, like, a beetle for a head? And on all the paintings, like... You ever seen those bad memes where it's like, if your dog wore pants, would he wear them like this or like this? And it's like, would he wear them on his back end or would he wear them on all four legs? See, if the if the Egyptian god had the face of a beetle, would it be like on his neck or like a whole beetle where he could look around? No, it's not. It's standing up. <laughs> so like the beetle is looking up on the body. It doesn't make any sense to me. That's Kepri. He is the beetle-faced Egyptian god of life and of renewal. There's also some dealings with some god named Wadjet. If you're looking for a name for grandchildren, there aren't going to be too many Wadjets registered at the kindergarten in five years. So, uh, Also ISIS, who we'll probably get to in a couple weeks, and a few others when it comes to bugs and life and things like that. Remember, systematically attacking. We have a bad habit of thinking about the wrath of God like your dad driving down the interstate. What are you people doing back there? Stop it! It's not like that. You! Stop it! It is precise, it is measured, it is worthy, and it is right. So, swarms of flies, here we go. On that day, verse 22, I will set apart the land of Goshen. Who lives in Goshen? Israelites live in Goshen, where my people are living, so that no swarms of flies will be there, in order that you may know that I, the Lord, am in the midst of the land. I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow, this sign will occur. That just escalated. Did you catch why this is escalating um go back one verse (coughs) on that day i will set apart the land of goshen where my people are living so that no swarms of flies will be there in order that you may know that i yahweh am in the midst of the land see this is important god is demonstrating that he has this power but what is he also demonstrating that he's not off someplace else he's where I'm here. How do you know I'm here? Well, easy. I'm standing right here, and I'm going to tell those flies, you stop. You stop right there. Why? Because you're there, and I'm here, and I'm right here. This is different. This is a God come down in the Egyptian world. This doesn't happen like on Tuesday. It doesn't happen anywhere. But what is God again demonstrating? That this is not something far off. This is not some invented deity of the Israelites who lives up in the sky and pulls strings. He is... There, in the midst and working of his people, he will make that distinction. Now, that's also important for us, because he's doing what? You can go back to 23 now. He is making a distinction. There's a division between my people, God speaking, and your people. By the way, nothing has changed. for uh, Matthew 25, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another. As the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Nothing's changed. Not new work when Jesus shows up in Matthew 25. Not new work when he shows up at the end. It's the same work that God has always done. Remember, two types of people, and God knows what the difference is and why it matters. This is the other reason why that survey is so interesting and so important for us we have a tendency to really lower the threshold for what we count as our people scripture doesn't god doesn't remember this is one of the warnings you get from matthew is people will come and say lord lord didn't we cast out demons and and heal people and do all of this in your name and i will say to them what depart from me you worker of iniquity for i never knew you i don't know about you but i haven't cast out many demons lately like, did you have an uninfested toaster oven that you healed the other day or something? Just figure. I'll figure. I'll ask. Like, did you did you rebuke the microwave because it didn't work right? All right. So no demon casting. That you would think, like somebody who's commanding demons would be like on the know with Jesus, right? You would think that, wouldn't you? What did Jesus tell them? No. I don't care what you did. I care if you know me, and more importantly, if I know you. It's a warning. Because there's a division in God's people. How many points of access are there? One. This was important from a couple weeks ago in the survey. God accepts the, That was. The, does God accept the worship, or the question was, God accept the worship of every religion? And a lot of people thought it was true. It's just not. Acts 4, John 14, um, pretty much all of Romans. Read those, it'll do you good, help you explain. Israelites are in Goshen. They have reset apart. Now, Something else very, very important. This is going to sound really dumb when I say this. When the Israelites are in Goshen, where are the Israelites? Don't overthink it. When the Israelites are in Goshen, where are the Israelites? They're in Goshen. I said don't overthink it. Where is Goshen located? Not, not like specifically, but generally, where is Goshen? It's in Egypt, so God is now separating his people, but has he removed them from this land that he has cursed? No, he has not. God has separated his people from the Egyptians. Has he taken them away from the place of judgment? No, he has not. He is redeeming them and preserving them in judgment. Welcome to your world, Christian. And I don't say that like, God is judging America. He might be. You know who doesn't know that? Me. So you know who really doesn't care most days? Me. I worry about the things that I know and the things that I can control. Has this world been judged already? Yeah, there's a Bible verse that says that, literally. Are we called to walk faithfully in a dark world? Yeah. This is your Ephesians 4 and 5. Read Ephesians 4 and 5. It'll do you good. You walk faithfully even though this place has been condemned already. Even though this place has not been redeemed. Christian, you are being redeemed and preserved in the midst of a sinful people that is being judged. Just like Israel. This is what God does. This is what God has always done. This is how he works. Again, you see this in the parables parable of the wheat and the chaff, right? Someone has come in, master, and sown weeds amongst our plants. Should we root them out? No, because if you pull out the weeds, what might you do to my good wheat plants? You might destroy them, so leave it, and we'll separate them when? At the harvest. Like, do you, when you go to Walmart, that escalated. When you go to Walmart, like, can you turn down the bread aisle and go, oh, see, that's a Christian. That's not. you may think you can you may do it in your head but are you always right the answer is no (laughs) i mean just for fun i mean he's not here to pick on that means i can pick on him extra right like on the average day if i just stuck daryl in front of you would you be like good godly man walking in faithfulness no cut off sleeves untrimmed beard tattoos coming out gonna go get on his harley you're like that's a godly man right there. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is what I get a laugh out of because you, do you know who's always the fun one in the room when I go to pastor's meetings? I, I pastored in some fundamentalist areas of North Carolina. And whenever there'd be a group of us that'd get together, there was like half of them I always knew. They were 16 older. They were about two of me. And you know what they were wearing? A suit, coat, tie. I kid you not, Grover. Can you get more stereotypical than a Baptist minister named Grover? Mowed his yard with a push mower in a tie. Never went out in public without a tie. When he cut the grass on Saturday morning, he did it in pants and a tie. My in-law's church had a man that did that. Not, Not that long ago. I show up half the time. I got sleeves rolled up, you know, and some tattoos running around. I'm like, Sometimes I've shaved, sometimes I haven't. You know, it's like, you put us together. Which one of us is the pastor? Both. People just kind of look. I mean, that's why I don't introduce myself by what I do. I'm Michael, what do you do for a living? Do we have to talk about that right this second? I'd rather talk about 17 other things. Because, you know, the minute I tell them what I do for a living, you know what I get. Or I'll have people talking to me and then all of a sudden someone else tells them of the pastor and they go, oh, I didn't mean to say that in front of you. It doesn't make it worse because you said it in front of me. <laughs> I mean, really? That It's not bad because you said it in front of me. It's bad because you said it. That's why it's bad. Not because I'm here suddenly makes it worse. You should have heard what I said 20 minutes ago. Let's not say that. <laughs> I mean, people are people, people sin. That doesn't make it right. Contrary to what too many people believe about the survey. The point of the matter is what is Christianity? It's an outward expression of an inward change. You don't walk through the world and people can just see you and be like, look at that one glow. That's one of God's right there. We wish we did. Yeah, I'm sure they do. (laughs) I'm sure they do. I mean, we may wish that about ourselves, but it is not the case. God has redeemed us. He is redeeming us. He will complete that work. But in the meantime, you walk in a dark and dying place. And there are aspects of you that are still being shaved, cleaned up, chiseled out, whatever metaphor you would like to use. And we are doing What we do because of who God is and how he has redeemed us by the work of Christ, by the empowering of his Holy Spirit, by the sprinkling and adding of grace that he has given to us. This is not a work of us. It is a work of God, and it is our job to proclaim it because you know how awesome we do it showing it most of the time? Yeah. Some of you are like, I do wonderful when no one's looking. (laughs) That's why the one of the worst Christian quotes we have ever glommed onto, because Francis of Assisi never said it, but we like to claim that he did. Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. I don't know about you, but I don't walk around like in Walmart going, hey, you. and they go, oh, Jesus, please forgive me. It doesn't work that way. I, my baseball players used to know the signs, and I would give them the signs, and they'd look at me going, to the point that I had a kid miss a steal sign, three straight pitches. I literally just yelled across the field, steal second! Oh, okay. Catcher looked at me, really? Yes, he's stealing second, and if he doesn't, throw him out. (laughs) I mean, it's like, you can't demonstrate Christian living. You have to explain it. You have to explain. Like, no one has ever stopped you in Walmart while you were just checking out your groceries. And they just looked at you and be like, tell me about your God. Like, this never happened. You have to, you may have, they may ask you a question about why you did something, and you know what you should be able to then do? Explain why you did it. This is why God does not always pull his people out when he redeems them but he redeems them in the midst of judgment and in the midst of sin because now you are his witness, now you are his testimony, now you are being refined, you are being purified. As it is with us, so it was with God's people. This is a continuous work. He doesn't do new things suddenly in the New Testament. He does the same things just with a new people. So, then the Lord did so. There were great, came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh, the houses of the servants. The land was laid waste because of the swarms of flies in all the land of Egypt except now we know all the land of Egypt except Goshen God has promised God has delivered so pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said go sacrifice to your god within the land what was the demand that we may leave remember we talked about this god's first to, uh, first command to Moses was to go and ask for a 3 days journey into the wilderness and pharaoh was going to say no why Is that what God was going to do? He was going to deliver the Israelites for a long weekend? No. It was so that they would make a simple request, and Pharaoh would say no, and then every request from that point further from God would be what? More and more. We're negotiating in reverse to demonstrate the stubbornness of Pharaoh and the power of God. Now who's negotiating? Hey, you remember that that original deal you made? It wasn't bad, but now is this going to work? Deuteronomy 10. The Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. So no, this is not going to work. Moses tells him that. Moses said, it is not right to do so. We will sacrifice to the Lord our God was an abomin- what is an abomination to the Egyptians. And if we sacrifice what is an abomination to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We must go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commands us. That, that's back to the original terms of the argument. That was the original thing that Moses demanded. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness only. You shall not go very far away. Make supplication for me. Okay, fine. I'll accept your terms, but be careful and pray for me. Does this connect? Does this make any sense? Like, if you think Moses can pray for you, why are you negotiating, first of all? If you don't actually think that Yahweh is God, why do you need Moses to pray for you? <laughs> and if both of those things are true, why are you even having this conversation? I think part of the reason he's having this conversation is Pharaoh is sitting on his throne swiping away flies. <laughs> and Moses is walking in, and this just imagine what this would look like. Are there flies on the Israelites? No. So Moses is walking in, and the flies are doing what? I mean, you, you know Moses has got that Bee Gees going. You should walk like that. It kind of boosts your spirits for about two minutes. People look at you weird at Walmart, and then they don't talk to you. See, it's a double win. No, what's the problem with this? James chapter 4 gives you a rundown. You ask, and you do not receive. Well, why not? Because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures when we pray typically why do we pray (laughs) because we want something we have santa claus theology there's this great man living in the sky and what will he do he will give me things when i ask that that's not jesus people that that's the that's the santa story that's not how this works what should be the goal of prayer and the goal of christian living and the goal of living in general should be things like psalm 37 Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Catch that. It's not delight yourself in God, and he gives you a bunch of stuff. It's delight yourself in the Lord. If you delight yourself in the Lord, what do you want? I want God. What do I want him to do? I want him to explain himself more. I want to have a deeper fellowship, a deeper connection. I want to have more trust. If I do these things, what will God give me? Those things. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart, which would be more of himself. Welcome to sanctification. Welcome to why you can say no to sins now that you couldn't say no to 20 years ago. Welcome to why you will say no to sins in 20 years that you cannot say no to today. Growth in sanctification, growth in love and knowledge of God, growth in love for one another. This is how Christian living works. This is the warning. This is what you're not seeing in Pharaoh. You're seeing a an angry, bitter negotiator going, now pray for me. <laughs> then Moses said, behold, I am going to out from you, and I shall make supplication to the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, from the people tomorrow. You got to know everybody in the room is going, why not today? Only do not let Pharaoh deal deceitfully again in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses may have been born at night, but he was not born last night. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and made supplication to the Lord. The Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained. Now again, see what's going on. Again, is Pharaoh a good ruler? No. Is Pharaoh even a smart ruler at this point? No. So this is when you get top gun theology. Pharaoh, Pharaoh's in a, in a flat spin. Goose can't eject. It's going to end badly when they hit the bottom. Some of you were like, I can't believe you just said that out loud. Not only did I say it out loud, I made a point to put it in my notes so I'd remember to say it out loud. So that's how bizarre I am. While Pharaoh is failing miserably at every turn, what is God doing? He's delivering. Remember this when the Israelites actually leave. It will help make sense of things. Because if you're an Egyptian and Pharaoh was told, well, when do you want the frogs to go? If you're an Egyptian, when do you want the frogs gone? Now, what did Pharaoh say? tomorrow tomorrow fine fine when are the flies leaving tomorrow when Pharaoh had a chance to negotiate what did he not ask for what should you ask for get rid of them when no not th- well they'll leave tomorrow oh good they'll leave tomorrow if you're an Egyptian just live in You know, running your day, growing your crops, making your bread, feeding your family, doing the stuff. Whose side are you starting to be on? (laughs) This Pharaoh dude is killing us. But what is God doing? He's delivering us because this is who God is and what God does. Go back to Job because in the midst of all his whining, what does he say? As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will take his stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed from my flesh, I will see God. See, this is part of the same warning and the same call. What does God do? God saves and delivers people. This is what Isaiah told the people. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. What was your punchline? What was the purpose of Christ's ministry? Luke Luke helps you out. He gives you a thesis statement in chapter 19. The Son of Man has come to do what? To seek and to save that which is lost has come to seek and to save that which is lost. God's demonstrating it right here. Verse 32. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also. Of course he did. And he did not let the people go. Now, I say of course he did. Should we be surprised by this? Hmm. We've been told this is coming. We know how this is going to end. So why are we making the trouble of going through this walk? There are still lessons to be held. There are still things to be taught both for moses the israelites pharaoh the egyptians and guess who else us why write this down did you write this down for israel no you wrote this down for the generations that would come after for the generation after generation after generation of the people that would read this study this and know god there is more power to display there is more mercy to show what is the part of this? God is delivering. God is saving because he is, I'm sorry, excuse me, because this is what he does for his people. And again, notice where Israel is. The reason why I'm pointing this out again is this is the part of the story that we miss. We get it. If I tell you, will God preserve you in his kingdom? Your answer would probably be what? Yes. Will God carry you through trials and struggles? Do you know the first thing we do a lot of times when bad things happen? Why have you done this to me? Well, time out. What did, what did God promise you what you were going to get in this world? That in this world there will be trials and tribulations, but take heart. I have overcome the world. See, we know it. We know it. And there is a lot of Christian truth that we know. But you know how much Christian truth we, we know? This is why we take the time to go through stuff like this, because it's a reminder of how God has worked with his people from time past. It is a reminder of what he has always done and what he is still doing. Our goal in Christian living is not to be able to go, yeah, I know that, and that's why I can explain it to you. I want us to walk it, to live it, to know it, and to know it, so that we can walk and we can explain, and we can be blessed and glorified. And keep in mind what I'm saying. Christian, you have been blessed beyond measure this year. Did you know that? We don't think like that all the time. We look at lost jobs and you know, lost freedoms and things that have been taken away, and we go, this is a nation under judgment, and it's getting worse, and this survey is just making me even more depressed. I don't know what's going on. Time out. Every last one of those things that I've mentioned, are any of them fun? No. You know what they all are for the believer? They're the blessings of God. Because they refine, they purify, they test, they strengthen, and they solidify us at his throne. You want to talk about purity for the church? I mentioned this before, I'll mention it again. I saw this survey when all this started back in March. They, uh, IBSA put this in one of their little newsletter things, that 60% of Illinois pastors thought their churches would grow as a result of this. And Cameron will, will vouch for me. I read that and went, these people have lost their minds. <laughs> They've lost their minds. But that, see, that's a lie we tell ourselves from the perspective of the world. That was my thought. I thought the exact opposite. And you know what? We found out a couple of months into this in the middle of July, they did another survey. of regular churchgoers had streamed exactly zero services since their churches had gone online. Zero, which means half of the people in the churches went home and didn't do a thing when it came to church. And you know how many of the churches in Illinois went to online services? About 98% of them offered an online service of some kind. And half the people went, we're good. We don't need this, we're good, we got this. That's not good. Lifeway is thinking that up to 20 to 30% of churches will never recover. This more will recover. Bills are too much. They can't pay the utilities. They can't pay for the things they were doing. They're, they're just done. Every church is going to have to answer a lot of questions. Why? Because we're being purified. We're being refined. What have we lost? If you could walk away in April. Never come back and not even be bothered. What does that say about you? Exactly. Now, again, was there a sign on that person? Like, were they sitting over in the seat? Like, nobody sits here, so I'll use these chairs. (laughs) I'm not picking anybody. Like, could we look at this? Well, you could just tell. They didn't have the right glow. The answer was no. How did we know they went out from us? Because they actually did what? They went out. They, They actually left. And for us, that should be a blessing. Because now we know. We know. Because if you can walk through the midst of all of this and still follow after Christ, you can walk through a lot. That's good. It's a strengthening, it's a refining. We don't think like this day in and day out. When I say we, I mean me too. This is not a you people need to do better. This is a we need to apply the deep truths of Scripture better. This is, again, forming a worldview so that we know and we understand who God is and what He's doing. We don't think like this day in and day out, but this is what we're called to do. This is why I read what I read for communion, because it's God demonstrating that he has not left us. He has given us a reminder so that as we partake, time in and time out, we are reminded that Jesus has done this. Jesus has redeemed. He has paid my penalty, and he is coming back for me one day. And if he doesn't come back before I leave this place, I will leave this place with joy and memorial, because I will have been redeemed from the midst of it. And I can rejoice, and I can walk And I can celebrate. Let's pray. Again, Lord, we say thank you for all that you have done, for all that you are, for the strengthening that you give us, for the purification that you do. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to do that work, and that, Lord, you would open our eyes to see it. That what we do not know of you, that you would instruct us. And what we have not internalized about you, Lord, that you would give it to us. That the strength we do not possess, you would provide. In the wisdom we do not walk in that you would that you would show, that we would be your people, faithfully knowing, faithfully walking, faithfully proclaiming. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
0: Lord, I lift your name on night. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the wave. From the earth to the cross, my death to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord I lift your name on high. Lord I lift your name on high. Lord I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my death to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift Your name on high. Lord, I lift Your name on high. Lord, I lift Your name on
1: high. There is one thing I did not mention earlier that I should have, and I apologize for not. But you, um, you are invited if you'd like to hang around to wrap. About 1230-ish, depending on what time everybody gets here, we are having today a, uh, a short memorial service for Tim's father, and you are welcome to stay. I think I've been told there's food afterwards, <laughs> so if you want to hang out for that, you are invited and welcome, and I'm sure your presence would be appreciated. If not, I know it's shorter notice, we understand, but we'll do that this afternoon around 1230, so we'll get you know about that. And if nothing else, just be in prayer for, for Tim and family, for, uh, for comfort and for peace. All of that said, reminder, council next week, let's pray. Again, Lord, we thank you and ask that as we leave this place that you would strengthen us, that we would walk faithfully, Lord, knowing you, trusting you, serving you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.